Here's a question I want to ask tonight. How do we actually live doing what God wants us to do? See, you probably have some idea what you think God wants you to do, and often we can get pretty excited at about actually doing the right thing and doing what God wants us to do. Who went on fat recently? Did anyone go on fat? Yeah, okay. That's good. All right, so a bunch of you went on fat, and you sound pretty excited. I reckon one of the big things that will happen when you go on fat is you get really challenged by the Bible and about living how God wants you to live, and you come back just going, yeah, I'm going to be like a super Christian now. I'm going to like dominate at being a Christian. I'm going to be like a Bible ninja and know everything there is to know about the Bible, and I'm gonna, not going to sin anymore. I'm going to get rid of that bad habit, and I'm going to do all this good stuff, and I'm going to live my life obeying God and you get all pumped up. But problem is, not long after you get back from fat, pretty soon you find out that you're still actually pretty sinful. You make mistakes. You mess up. You come down off the like camp high and you realize you're still your same old self. And you're like, man, has nothing changed at all? Like, did fat do anything in my life at all? Or not just fat, any other thing like that? Am I any different? And so long term, in the bigger picture, not just when you get jacked up and excited on a camp, but in the bigger picture, how do you live in obedience to God? That's the thing that Psalm 119 is going to help us see tonight. And I'm excited to look at this with you guys. So let's pray together and then we'll look at the Bible. Let's pray. Now, Father God, I pray that tonight you would show us how to live in obedience to you. Lord, I pray that you would by your word, work in us to change us and grow us. God, please help us understand it. Please challenge us. Please, yeah, please cut us deeply with your word tonight. Amen. All right. Now, the way to actually do this, the way to live in obedience to God long-term is actually not that complicated. Here's what it's about. You ready for this? Here's a sentence you need to remember tonight. It's about a partnership centered on the Word of God. Now, a partnership is just when a couple people team up to do something together, all right? The first member of this partnership centered on the Word of God is us. Here's our part. We need to work hard at God's Word to obey it. Come over to Psalm 119. Uh, There's a million verses, 176 verses in this psalm, and we're not going to look at all of them, all right? And... The first, the first few verses there, like it's kind of broken up into um, little chunks of eight verses that are called stanzas. And the first stanza, the first chunks, all about how we should obey God's word. And then as you get in the next bit, it's going to tell us how we go about doing that. So here's our part. Check, check out starting from verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He says that he's hidden his word in his, he's hidden God's word in his heart so that he won't sin against God anymore. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to hide God's word in your heart? When we think of um, the heart, I'll tell you what we're usually thinking of, like Disney movies and stuff like that, we're kind of thinking of like our emotions. You know, listen to your heart, that's what you've got to do. That's a Disney cliche, but really in the Bible... Your heart is like the center 
of who you are. It's kind of like, it's what drives you. It's the most important thing to you. It's the thing that's always on your mind. It's the very center of who you are. And so if you put God's word in your heart, what you're doing is you're kind of putting God's word in the driver's seat of your whole life. And it's going to drive your whole life. And if you look at the next few verses, verses 12 to 16, which I'll read, you kind of get a picture of what it looks like to have God's word hidden in your heart. Look at verse 12. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one who rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts precepts, and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And so he says a whole, now he's going to use a whole bunch of different words to talk about God's word. He's going to be talking about precepts and statutes and laws and ways. All those things are just a way of talking about God's word in the Bible, all right? And he's going to talk about them heaps. But when God's word is in someone's heart, he says, first of all, they'll go around like recounting it. They'll go around saying it out loud. They're going to be talking about it all the time. They're also going to be meditating on God's word, thinking about it, trying to figure out what it means. Now, I was trying to think this week about how to explain to you guys what it means to meditate on something. And I reckon the closest thing you guys have got is what happens when you, or maybe your friend, if this isn't you, starts to like someone, right? You start to get the hots for some girl or some guy and you kind of like them and, and you kind of got this big crush and you start to analyze every little single thing that that person does and says. So you'll get like a Facebook message from them, right? And it's like, see you tomorrow, smiley face, kiss, kiss. And you'll read that and you'll be like, oh man, see you tomorrow, smiley face. Now is the smiley face because He's, gonna, he's seeing me tomorrow, and that's pretty exciting. He's excited to see me, or is he, is he just excited because it's Saturday tomorrow? What does that smiley face mean? Kiss, kiss. Now, kiss, kiss, like, is that like, you know, you're a guy at this point. She says kiss, kiss, like, does that mean she, like, loves me? Or is that, like, just how she ends all her text messages, and I'm not sure what's going on. If I reply kiss, kiss, is that going to be weird? And you, you can't, you're fully on just analyze every little thing about it. You think about it so much that you don't even need to read it again because you've memorized it in your head. You've stored it away in your heart and it's controlling your whole life, your whole day. It's become a part of you. You store it up in your heart. That's what it means to meditate on something. That's what the guy writing this psalm here does with God's word. He meditates on it, remembers it, thinks about it, rolls it around. What does it mean? And so it's stored up in his heart and it's driving his whole life, his whole existence. And if we do this with God's word, if we do this, it'll cause us to grow and obey him and change and it'll do huge things in our lives. So do you do this? Do all of us do this? Do we treasure God's word like a Facebook message from some girl that you like? You think about it all day long. Because if we did, God would be doing big things in our lives through his word. So guys, get stuck into the Bible. (laughs) Get stuck into the Bible. Here's two big ways you can think about, not think about, here's two big ways you can do that. First of all, make your G-teams a priority. 
If your G team meets on a Friday night, some of you get along. If not, on a Sunday or a Saturday during church, get along to your G teams, come to your Bible study, and don't just attend and go, okay, I can't wait to do this. Like, come and be pumped for it and dig into it and get into it. And secondly, read the Bible on your own. If, you, if, they're, if they're helpful, and I reckon they will be, use those daily reading notes for Psalms. Hook into it, get into it. And don't kind of feel guilty about it, kind of going, oh, I haven't done daily reading notes for ages and I'm behind, I need to catch up. Don't worry about that. Just start where you are today and get into it and open it up and have a crack. Read the Bible, wrestle with it, think about it, store it up in your heart like this guy does. Carry it around with you all day. Now, as I'm talking so far as we're looking at this psalm, at this stage, I reckon you could be tempted to think that growing as a Christian and kind of growing in your obedience to God is like canoeing, right? And so you, like, you, you kind of got to work hard and if you just do it hard enough and use your muscles and go for it and dig in and, and just give it your best shot and try hard enough, then you're going to get somewhere as a Christian. Now, that might be part of the picture, but that's not the whole picture. It's not that simple. You guys do need to work hard at obeying God in his word. You need to do that. But remember the thing we said at the start, obeying God is a partnership centered on the word of God. And so here's the second part of that partnership. It's God. God works in us through his word to obey it. In the next 16 verses, so kind of what we've looked at is a little bit of a summary of the first 16 verses, but we've moved pretty quickly. In the next 16 verses, the next two stanzas, what you're going to see is a bunch of things that God does in us through his word, how he works in us. And so check out verse 18, for example. God is the one who helps us understand his words. Check out verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in in your law. Help me to see it. Open my eyes up so I can kind of understand it. Verse 24, check it out. Your statutes are my delight. They're my counselors. And so the word of God is the thing that counsels him, teaches him how to live. Verse 26, look at verse 26. I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. Then I'll meditate on your wonders. You kind of get the vibe of that? God helps us to understand his word. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. I'll tell you why. You might be a Christian, right? You might say, I'm a Christian and I really want to know God better and I really do want to grow, but I'm just not very smart. (laughs) I'm one of those people who comes like last in English in G-Team, I've got like the attention span of like a fly and I'm like sitting there going, okay, I've got to understand the Bible. Is that a possum outside? Do possums live in Australia? And you just get distracted by anything. You can't concentrate for more than a minute or whatever. Guys, if that's you, if this stuff was all up to you, then you're right. You guys would be in a lot of trouble. You'd be in a whole mess of a trouble because you've got no chance. But it's not just up to, up to you. God teaches us from his word. He actively does something. We've got God's Holy Spirit working in us, helping us to understand and helping us to obey God's word every time you open the Bible. You're never alone when you read the Bible. Never. 
God's Spirit is there helping you, teaching you. And so before you guys kind of decide, oh, this is all too hard, I'm never going to get there, I don't understand any of this, I'm not going to be able to do anything, have you ever stopped and begged God to help you with this? Have you ever just gone, God, I want to understand, I want to get this stuff, I want to get my head around it, and I want to grow, and I want to change, so God, please do that through your word in me. I can't think of a single time in my life, I'm not exaggerating, I was thinking about this this week, I can't think of a single time in my life where I've prayed a prayer like that and God hasn't answered that prayer with a yes, I will change you, I'll help you understand and I'll grow you. Even from when I was little, that's a prayer that God loves to answer. And so you'll be surprised at what God will do in your life if you get down on your knees and beg him to help you with this stuff. He loves to do that. And secondly, not only does God help us understand his word, he actually strengthens us through his word. Check out verse 28. My soul is weary with sorrow. He's having a hard time. Strengthen me according to your word. So he's in, he's in a bad place. Bad stuff's going on. I don't really know what's going on. But his prayer is that God would strengthen him through his word. We like to pray that God would give us strength when something's going on in our lives, but God gives us strength through his word. And so maybe, maybe at this point you're going, okay, I'm starting to get a hold of this. God's going to do this thing for me. He's going to work in me and he's going to do it. So maybe growing as a Christian, actually living in obedience to God is like just floating down a river. I don't actually have to do anything. It's not canoeing. I just lie there in like one of those inflatable donuts and the river will just take me along. I don't have to do any effort. It's just going to flow along, move me along and that's it. That sounds pretty easy. That sounds pretty good. Well, it's not that simple either. We need to work hard at this stuff as God works in us. That's how it works. It's not like canoeing where you do it all and and that's that. It's not like floating down a river where God does it all for you. I reckon a better picture is it's a little bit like sailing. All right? Now, I don't know heaps about sailing, but I reckon this is a pretty good picture of it. When you're sailing, you've got to do some stuff. You've got to be like hoisting the mainsail and putting up your rudder and you've got to make the sail in the right place and probably scrub the deck. I think you've got to scrub the deck. I don't know why, but it's important to have a clean deck, right? And you're doing all this stuff. You've got to steer it, put the sail in the right place not get hit by the boom and knocked in the water. You've got to work hard when you're sailing, right? But you could work your bum off all day sailing, but if if there's no wind blowing, in the end, you're not going anywhere. And if you don't do anything when you're sailing, if you just sit there and the wind's going crazy, you might kind of drift into the wrong place a little bit, but basically, you're not moving anywhere either. It's about you working hard and it's about the wind blowing. When it comes to being a Christian and growing and obeying God, it's a partnership. You work and God works. And so guys, get into it. Do your part. Work hard. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. Meditate on the Bible like a text message from some chick and you're trying to like, oh, what does this mean? And you're pretty keen on it. Put up your sail and let God's wind blow you around. Do some work and trust that God will work in you. That's, that's exciting stuff, isn't it? That God would do that in our lives. That's pretty cool. It's really cool. But here's the last thing. Here's the last thing we're going to look at tonight. What about when we still fail? What about when we still fail? See, we can grow in this stuff. We can change. We can be made different as, as we work and God works in us. But eventually... 
all of us end up stuffing up. We're never perfect and we never get it all, the, all together right. And we end up feeling like the guy who's written this psalm here. Check out verses 5 and 6. Here's how he feels in the end. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I'd not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. You catch how he feels there? He wishes, he isn't, but he wishes that he was steadfast, that he was consistent at obeying God's word. And when he looks at God's commandments in the Bible, he realizes just how much he doesn't do what he should. And it puts him to shame because he does fail. Guys, does that sound familiar to you? If you've read the Bible, it should. That's us. We're always going to have our failures. We're always going to have our sin. Even with the help of God, as we work and he works, there's still going to be times when we stuff up. And the bottom line is, here it is. We need Jesus' obedience on our behalf to save us. Here's the one sentence I want every single person in this room to remember for the rest of their life. You ready for it? A Christian is someone who swaps their own track record, what they've done, with Jesus. That's what a Christian is. Come over in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's the last thing I want to show you guys in the Bible, and it's, it's good. Come to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Guys, if you get your head around this, this is honestly the most important thing you will ever learn in your life. That's true for every person in the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. You ready? God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. There's some big stuff there, and I want to make sure you guys get this. The first bit says this. God made him who had no sin... No sin at all. So Jesus was, and he is, because he's still alive today, perfect. He's the only man in the world with a perfect track record. That banging is annoying, but that's all right. I want to get someone up on the stage to help me with this. So, yeah, sweet. Jump up, man. All right. Lucky you tonight, you literally get to be Jesus, all right? I'm not trying to say anything dodgy by this. Now, I don't know what Jesus looks like, but so we don't get confused. What's your name regularly? That's Sean, but tonight, right now, you're Jesus. He may have a wig like this. I don't know. Okay, so this is Jesus, right? You're literally, just for the sake of this illustration, let's imagine he's Jesus. Now, this book here is a book of all the times that Jesus has ever failed to obey God, all right? So here's his book. You ready for it? Look at all the stuff in there and all the times he hasn't obeyed Jesus, right? Did you see it all? What do you notice about this book? It's empty. All right. This is Jesus' track record, right? That's him. Here's my track record. It's a book and in it is written all the things I've ever done wrong, all the times I haven't obeyed God. What do you notice about my book? It's completely full of all the rubbish that I've ever done in my life, all the times I haven't been obedient to God. God made him, now you keep that, God made him who had no sin, that's the first bit, to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. So basically, guys, this is what happens, right? Here's Jesus. He gives me his track record. He takes my track record, right? And God looks on him and sees my sin, and he punishes him on the cross. He treats him as the sinner, even though he's perfect. And he looks at me now, and he sees 
Jesus' track record, even though I haven't and even though I still won't live the right way and I won't be obedient in everything, I've got Jesus' track record for the rest of my life. Guys, you can grab a seat, man. Thanks for that. That's huge. Do you understand? Thank you. That's, that's, That's a big deal. A Christian is someone who swaps their track record with Jesus. A Christian isn't someone who is so obedient and so good at keeping all the rules that God says, you know what, sweet, you're in, you've done it right. No, Jesus gives them his track record and it's that simple. That's all there is to it. Guys, that is a big deal. And so here's my question. Everyone needs to hear this question. Have you made that swap with Jesus? Have you put your trust in him and said, Jesus, please take my punishment and give me your track record? Because if you do that, guys, it's yours and it stays clean for the rest of your life. It's not like you get Jesus's track record and then a while later you go and sin and so they get none. This is Jesus's track record for the rest of your life. God sees you as never having sinned because Jesus paid the punishment for you. That's a big deal. That's the most important thing you'll ever hear. And so guys, if tonight for the first time you've actually understood what it means to become a Christian, have Jesus give you his track record and him take yours, if you work that out for the first time, become a Christian tonight. It's as simple as just asking him to do it. God, please make me a Christian, take my sin and give me your perfect record. Be my saviour and my Lord. That's how you become a Christian. So do that tonight. Talk to a leader. Do it in the quiet of your own head whenever you want. But do that if you're not a Christian. And secondly, guys, if you are a Christian, man, we've got something pretty big to be stoked about. We've got Jesus' obedience. We've got Jesus' track record given to us. And so now, out of response to how good God has been to you, pursue a partnership centered on the word of God. You work hard and God will work in you to grow you as a Christian. That's good stuff, yeah? I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Father God, uh, Lord, we do have so much to thank you for because of Jesus. Lord, thank you that even though we are failures, even though on so many levels we haven't obeyed you as we should, Lord, you give us Jesus' perfect track record. And Lord, I pray not to earn our salvation, but Lord, to please you and to grow in godliness. Lord, I pray that we would pursue a partnership with you. I pray that we would work hard at your word and obeying you. And I pray, Lord, that you would work in us by your spirit to change us and grow us. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Amen.